Recently, Georgetown University did a, a remarkable study to discover what is the total economic contribution of religion in America on an annual basis. And they did a massive study of 344,000 religious congregations. And they wanted to see, you know, how many programs did they start that were outreaches to people in need? How much money was donated to, you know, charities? How much was given to start a business built upon, you know, Christian principles? And what they found is absolutely startling. And I'll come back to that here in just a minute. You know, it's common to see, you know, titles such as this one here from a, a news line is American Christianity on its last legs. Well, we're going to take a look at whether or not that is true. And what does it look like if it is? What does it look like if it is not? Let's start with John chapter 12, which says walk while you have the light. So darkness will not overtake you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. These are some of Jesus' last words before going to the cross. He is with Lazarus' family here. It's sometime after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. There are people that want Lazarus to, you know, disappear because because of his miracle, you know, resurrection. Now people are believing in Jesus. And so his, you know, enemies want Lazarus to go away and they want people to not follow Jesus. And so he's now with Lazarus and his family, his disciples. And some of his last words again before going to the cross. And Jesus says, walk while you have the light. Well, Jesus is, of course, that light. And he says, so that darkness does not overtake you. Darkness here, sin, and the idea of overtaking is that you can be ambushed. And so Jesus says, walk in the light. Don't let sin ambush you. And when you walk in the light, you know where you're going. And he says, those in the dark, they don't even know where they are going. Consider this here from Ephraim Zimbalist, an actor, 1950s. Here's what he had to say about his work in Hollywood. And listen to this idea here where Jesus says, be in the light. The darkness can ambush you. And those in the dark, they don't even know where they're going. And Ephraim Zimbalist, this actor said, those who believe that Hollywood simply wants to entertain you don't know how it operates. They have a secret agenda. They want to change the world. You see, nothing's done in a vacuum, and you can turn on any you know, station or any channel or watch any movie, and more often than not, you'll see a certain agenda put forth, often very much at odds with what Jesus taught about life and what Scripture talks about truth and meaning. You know, William Cowper in the 1700s said, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Remember, Jesus said, you want to walk in the light. People in the dark don't know where they are going. And what we want to be are people of light that show others how to also live that life in the light, which is walking in the truth. When Jesus says walk in the light, he's talking about knowing the way life is meant to go and then going that way. He says two more things about following him here in the next sentence. But again, this idea about knowing who he is and living in that light like him rather than in the darkness of sin we're coming in now to 2021. If, you know, in the last 12 months, maybe we found ourselves too much in that darkness. Today is that day to come out and say, I want to be in the light as he is in the light and live not ambushed by sin, but rather showing other people who Jesus is so they can be set free from sin. You know, Willie Nelson, worth $25 million. He's written over 300 songs. You know, he's very honest about the challenges he's had in life. Went through four marriages, 
trouble with alcohol, shared one of his early marriages, you know, he continued to come home drunk and his wife threatened him, if you come home like that again, I'm going to do something very radical. And one day he came home drunk again and she basically knocks him out with this broomstick. He wakes up and his hands are tied, his feet are tied, and then she just kept hitting him again when he woke up with this broomstick. You know, what Willie Nelson said, though, is I still didn't change. And she eventually left. And he held on to the alcohol. As David Delk put it so well, you know, the turning point of conflict in your marriage or in life is when you say, I choose to change me in order to fix this. As we're stepping into the new year, you know, maybe it's challenges in your marriage or your family, your job, whatever it might be. Maybe it's just spiritual health. And you want to maybe say the same thing. I choose to change me in order to fix this. Tommy Nelson said it well. What separates a fool from a wise man? The Bible says the clearest indicator is their response to sin. And so again, Jesus says, walk in the light. Don't let the darkness ambush you. People in the dark, though, there, there may be loud voices there. They don't know where they're going. And we want to say, I know the way because Jesus has shown it. You know, Matthew Henry said, those who walk in the light must believe in it. And he says, those in the darkness, they're strangers to the influence of God. Very something to really stop and think about, to be a stranger to the influence of God. We want to be living our life again following after the way, the truth, the life. I love the story, you know, this minister in the Philippines, he shared about this woman. He considered her to have this real radical faith, and she would tell him, you know, that uh, she would have visions, or sometimes she would have this prayer, and she'd go to sleep, and Jesus might give her a specific answer in her dream. And, and this minister told her one day, he said, I, I don't believe you. He said, in fact, I'll, I'll give you a test. If you're telling me that you can say a prayer and God gives you a specific answer, then I want you to pray and ask God what secret sin I've been carrying all these years. A few days later, this minister saw this woman. He said, did you, did you pray? And she said, yes. He said, did you ask God what secret sin I've been carrying all these years? She said, yes. And he said, when you asked God, what was my secret sin, what did he say? She said, he said, he doesn't remember. You see, but scripture tells us that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. That's why David would say, blessed or happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. So what's going on in 2020? Jesus has wiped that slate clean. He remembers those sins no more. And now we enter into the new year. And let us do it in the sense of that I want to be in the light. The next thing he says in John 12 is while you have the light, believe the light. This is a big thing we're going to look at here for a moment because what we believe determines how we behave, the things we say, and how we act. This is where the rubber hits the road because Jesus says if you have the light, then you have to believe that light. You have to believe what he says is true. 
And here's where some real challenges come up. Here's a, another common headline from the Atlantic. America's epidemic of empty churches. Well, let's see if, if that's true or not. Because it comes down to believing. I'll just read this study here by Glenn Stanton. And I'll just read the quotes from the study. Jesus said, believe in the light. Here are the quotes from the study. The first one, liberal churches are hemorrhaging members. Liberal churches are hemorrhaging members. What's a liberal church? Well, there's no secret because they are very proud and they boast about the things that they don't believe. They write books about it all the time. What's a liberal church? Well, first thing, they will tell you they don't believe what we just celebrated just a few days ago. They will say, I do not believe in the virgin birth of Christ. When Jesus says, believe in the light, they'll tell you the next thing they don't believe. They'll say, I do not believe that the Bible is the word of God. I believe it's human teaching. Next thing they'll tell you, I do not believe that Jesus physically, literally rose from the dead. Now, why are these liberal churches so more easily promoting such things? Well, they've seen the culture make some shifts to become more humanistic. So they thought, hey, then we should advertise that we don't believe and maybe people will join us. And people have been leaving left and right. And new people don't join because nobody wants to say, I want to gather together with a group that has no beliefs. And so, yes, liberal churches are hemorrhaging members. And you see empty churches and buildings that are in decay. Very often it's because they had this idea that non-belief was somehow a way to live. Jesus said, believe in the light. Next quote, number two, biblical churches are holding strong. And this one's going to be something that I believe is going to be life-changing. We'll see in a moment. Number three, global growth of Christianity is booming. And that word booming, we're going to see what that means here in just a moment. Booming in places like China, Southern Asia, Africa, South America. Well, let's go back when Jesus said, believe in the light. Think about this statistic. Liberal churches, less than 4% of all missionaries are from liberal churches. Let me say that again, less than 4%. You see, if you don't believe in anything, and you don't stand for anything, well, who wants to listen? And believing determines your actions. And if you say, I don't believe in anything, then you don't send out missionaries to try to change people's lives. That's why Jesus said belief is so important. Next question, if you had to guess the most church-going age in America, when do you think it would be? Again, with headlines talking about the decline of Christianity. Is that true? What's the most church-going age in America? Well, in 1776, 17% of America's attended church. 1850 was 34%. 1906, 51%. Today, percent of Americans that attend church is 69%. Now, on a weekly basis, that is 35%, which is down from 44% in the 50s. But still, this idea of a dying church, is it true when we look at facts and not you know, certain voices out there like that gentleman shared here about, you know, well, what is the secret agenda of certain people in the media, it's not to bring about the truth, it's to bring about their own purpose. And often, again, like Jesus said, we have to recognize people in the dark don't even know where they're going. 
So this is the most church-going age in America is today. But let's go back to that Georgetown University study. What is the total economic contribution of religion in America? Well, here's what the study found. Churches had started drug abuse recovery centers, 130,000 programs. There are 94,000 programs started for veterans. 26,000 programs started for people with HIV. 121,000 programs for people that are unemployed to give them training and skills. And then on top of that, every single day, individuals and organizations of faith that quietly serve a community, there's faith-based charities, there's businesses that are started because somebody had a calling to represent God in the business world, so they started a company. You add all those programs together, what is the total economic contribution of religion in America? $1.2 trillion, that's with a T, trillion dollars. That's equal to the world's 15th largest economy. So again, be careful where we get the headlines from that may be claiming is the church dying or is Christianity fading? Absolutely not. And you're going to see something remarkable here in a moment in regards to that. Love this here by Angela Bertain after overcoming depression. She stated, Mark 11 says, you have what you say. I believe words are the most powerful tools in the universe. And we are where we are today because of the words we spoke yesterday. Miracles do not produce faith. Otherwise, the children of Israel would have all trusted and believed in God when he parted the Red Sea. The truth is faith produces miracles. So we need to be careful again about the words that we say and the things that we speak over life. We stop and say, you know what? I'm not taking the headlines from the, from the news. I am believing the word of God. And Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not overcome the church. Samuel Johnson once said, almost every man wastes part of his life in an attempt to display qualities he does not possess and to gain applause he cannot keep. How many waste their life seeking to gain applause they cannot keep? Samuel Johnson said that in the 1700s. That we might again listen to some of these voices down through the ages and learn what they've been trying to share. So we might live life differently. When Jesus says, while you have the light, he said, believe in the light. And then next he says, so that you may become sons of light. That there's a change that takes place in us. That there's a change that takes place. And again, the way we behave, the actions we take, and the things we say, and where our heart is directed. That we might look back at 2020 and say, you know, some things that I, I wanted to do, maybe I didn't do, or maybe who I wanted to become, I didn't quite, you know, hit the target. But we're becoming sons and daughters of light. And you can say in the next six months, my goal is to seek his face because of who he is and knowing that again in him all victory is assured he is that one gives us the light that we can see the truth in the first century seneca alive at the time of jesus said to obey god is true freedom to obey god is true freedom when we are simply trusting in him 
all these burdens get lifted. And we just then walk in faith and love God and do the next thing. So here's something on this idea of, again, becoming sons of light. That there's a change to take place in our life. And this is for families to stop and think about. Here's, a, here's another study. Uh, Glenn Stanton talking about the headlines that you might read. You know, do children that grow up in the church then leave that faith when they become an adult? And he says, well, that's, that really depends on one thing. Listen to his statement here. The best research is surprisingly and absolutely consistent and unequivocal about the number one resource and successful transmission of faith that will guarantee our children take a lasting faith into adulthood. He said the first factor that guarantees that children take a lasting faith into adulthood, the first factor, parents. Stanton goes on to say, how does that rate among the next three things? Well, number two, he says, parents. Three, parents. Four is parents. He says these are followed by the next two most important factors that guarantee a child takes their faith into adulthood. Number five, parents. And number six, parents. Like produces like. Parents with a weak faith or no faith at all tend to produce children with weak or no faith. Remember, you are the Billy Graham in your kids' lives. And if you've not been living in that light, but rather being one who is compromised and walking in the darkness, realize the impact it's having on those within your circle of influence. You know, it's time to stop and maybe say, as Richard Dorch, a counselor, shares, I know about your plans, but what strategy has the Lord given you? Did each of us stop and say, you know, I do have my own plans, but have I stopped to say, God, what is your strategy as I enter into this new year? You know, John 15, 15, Jesus said, I have called you friends. I've called you friends. And so the motivation is from our closeness to him. He goes on to contrast and he says, you know, there are servants and they don't have the same rights. But friends, they have this whole different realm of just inheritance. And so Jesus said, I've called you friends. And so when we come to that place and say, because he's called me friend, because he is the light I want to follow after him. And if I've not been doing that the past 12 months here with the year that lies before me, let me be more committed to that. 400 AD, Augustine said, what does love look like? It has the hands to help others. It has the feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has the eyes to see misery and want. It has the ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. And that is so needed, especially in in a time such as this. Walk while you have the light, so darkness will not ambush you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so you may become sons and daughters of light. You know, Fanny Crosby, She lost her eyesight as a child, but she would go on to write 8,000 hymns. She would share because of different sight, spiritual sight, she was able to have this closeness with Jesus and wrote all these hymns. And one of her most favorite is perfect submission. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. 
This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. So forget the headlines. Let's look at the truth. And when Jesus said, the gates of hell are not going to stop the church. Let's go back to another massive study here, Gordon Conwell. They studied Christianity and its growth from 1970 to 2017, almost a four-decade period, massive study. Is Christianity growing or dying? That was the question. And in a 40-year study, here's what the results found. In the United States, during that 40-year period, the increase in total number of Christians, the increase was 37%. Any growth is positive. We want to see that number even higher. But the increase in total number of Christians in the U.S. in that 40-year period, 37%. Remember, I shared they said that Christianity is booming. 37% in the U.S., well, in Oceania during that time, a 71% increase. In Latin America during that time, 124% increase. In Asia, astonishing 324% increase. And in Africa, 408% increase. As the study concluded, it would not be very easy to convince a congregation in Seoul or Nairobi that Christianity is dying. And it never shall. Because he is the light, the darkness shall never overtake it. Love this story here by Thomas Nelson sharing about being at the last chapel John Walver, the popular professor, gave at Dallas Seminary. As Nelson writes, John Walver gave his final chapel message shortly before his death at Dallas Seminary. He was 90. What do you think he chose to speak about? He talked about being a better husband. 500 men sat in complete silence and listened. Moments later, the chaplain of the seminary went to his car after chapel was over. His son, who was also a student at Dallas Seminary, was by his car with tears in his eyes. What's the matter, son? He asked. His son replied, his message hit me hard. To see Dr. Walvert at 90 saying, you know, I didn't always do it right, but I am trying now. I want to be a man like that. We step into the new year May our hearts cry be the same. Maybe I didn't always do it right, but I'm trying now. I want to be the man, I want to be the woman like that in 2021 because Jesus said, I have called you friends. And he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it.